Let me ask you, what responsibility in your mind does the U.S. have to the rest of the world to sort out this mess around vaping? Well, U.S. first of all has the most number of vapors, right? So they have the biggest constituency. Uh, they've also seen accelerated decline in smoking. Teen uh, smoking has vanished. So, you know, there, there is uh, strong data to suggest that vaping is replacing smoking. And, and obviously we also know that vaping is less harmful. Uh, when you have that data, it is also, and you are a big funder to the WHO and just generally the whole UN system and what U.S. does or decides or what the FDA says or CDC uh, decides is also something which is, uh, you know, more readily accepted. But when it comes to uh, tobacco control, U.S. and even the U.K. are not stepping forward and taking leadership and saying, okay, THR worked in our countries and we would like others to also have an opportunity. Which is not to say that policies should be same everywhere because, you know, uh, this, I mean, each country is in a different uh, level where they have developed to. And they need to adapt the policies to, you know, to their conditions. So, you know, which is one of the problems with the whole Bloomberg approach is that they're taking uh, Western templates and trying to just, you know, dump them onto countries where they these don't matter. To just give you a very small example, there's a point of sale ban, advertising ban, uh, uh, which is being proposed in India. In India, a cigarette vendor has a stool. <laughs> you know, where, where is he going to hide that thing? You know, he's going to, uh, you, know, so you know, it's not a practical solution. I and mean, you would have understood that if you had tried to uh, build the solution from ground up and not try to, you know, just pick something up from the US or, you know, what has worked in other countries. So the Western nations, led by U.S., I believe, have a moral responsibility uh, to help uh, the developing world uh, tackle this issue because they have done things right and things have worked. You know, uh, I think one of uh, the you know the way I think WHO tries to present the problem, Western countries is fine; they have enforcement. These guys don't, and therefore it should be banned. But if you cannot enforce regulation, how are you going to enforce a ban? So I do not. Uh, this according, I mean is the life of someone who's living in a developing, a smoker in a developing world, less important than the one, in, and this should not happen. Because, you know, for me, uh, this is discrimination. Has the U.S. Uh, played an, an inordinate role in developing the misinformation that's affecting course, the rest um, of the world? Of course, you know, and it has been funded and, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, of course, this has also happened in different parts of the world, but what happens in the U.S. gets amplified a lot more, right? So we, we know that uh, the direction that U.S. takes. Uh, but also, uh, U.S. has been uh, curiously silent, just as the U.K. has been, uh, on, on this issue at the FCTC level. And I, and I think they should, uh, you know, ask them, <laughs> in, in, can, can we in good faith let this happen? Yeah, I mean, does the U.S. really participate in FCTC and the WHO to the same extent that other countries do? Uh, uh, so the, America is not even a member of the FCTC, right? They, it is one of the countries which has not signed the protocol. But it is one of the bigger uh, funders of the WHO. So in that sense, it does exercise a lot of control. Now, uh, what has happened is that uh, the whole grand U.S. retraction from the world, you know, looking inwards and, you know, uh, you know, the U.S. left the WHO and also stepped back from UNESCO and, you know, all the other major UN bodies. And then they realized, okay, you know, then that gives space for China to come in and influence policy. And we saw how uh, the WHO responded to the pandemic in the initial days, right? It was completely China-led. 
that wouldn't have happened if uh, US uh, needs to play that leadership role. Uh, and it is important now than ever because, uh, uh, you know, uh, there is this whole breakdown of public trust with public health. You know, you just, if you're going to start saying from rooftops, there's no safe level of drinking, you know, suddenly when countries have had for decades limits to, you know, how much a person can consume. And you suddenly, because you want to pick this up and make it, you know, so activist sounding without even being true, you know, there's just one study I think that they're relying on and then and that, you know, that's where all this is coming from. So uh, this, our public health has to be more humane and I, and I don't know why the one arm of, you know, governance which is concerned with humanity and humaneness is, has become so radical and misguided. They say that uh, the tobacco industry has been creating these astroturf organizations, uh, and which is, I'm not denying that's not true. And for long, they have uh, tried to, uh, you know, sort of uh, help a consumer movement grow, but who uh, would really defend trying to smoke and die from it? You know, I mean, I'm, there are consumer smoker groups, and I have nothing against them. People have all the right to demand the rights they think are fair to them. Uh, but it still didn't have wider appeal. But now, there are people like me who know for sure that they have averted a certain part to death and want others to have that opportunity. So we are genuinely uh, fighting for human rights, right to better health, right to autonomy, right to make choices, safer choices. Uh, and, uh, but they have not adapted to that. So they, they, uh, the tobacco control does not understand a person like me. Let's look at, like, say, a uh, campaign for tobacco-free kids in the United States, which is uh, totally funded by Bloomberg. Why is that not an astroturf organization for tobacco control? Not just that. You know, uh, uh, so CTFK and the union are grant managers for, the, you know, for, uh, for India. So, you know, they are the ones who then further give grants to Indian organizations. And some grants are as small as $10,000. Some grants are a complete violation of the law. You know, it's on their website for uh, filing court cases, which is not uh, permitted, lobbying to governments, lobbying to media channels. So, you know, I mean, all this is, uh, they're doing this and quite openly. And uh, uh, there seems to be, uh, you can't touch us. There's nothing that you can do about it. We have created so much ill will among people that there's no sympathy for someone like you. So you don't even have a say, you know, so it's just us trying to save our lives. Uh, despite and we have to fight them for it you know and I find I, that is what shocked me the most when the ban came. Do you think that tobacco control considers consumer advocate groups for THR to be useful idiots of the tobacco companies? Yeah so that's what so when uh, this research paper was published uh, us consumer organizations wrote our responses They're, they're pub they have been published thankfully uh, and I think then uh, Ruth Malone, who was the editor at the time, uh, wrote a tweet saying that it's unfortunate that consumers have been co-opted and, you know, uh, sort of being washed by the tobacco company. But, you know, if I'm going to live 20 years longer, I don't need a tobacco company to tell me that, you know, I mean, I would take it. I, I don't need incentive. I mean, that's incentive enough for me. You know, if I have good health, if I can, uh, you know, I'm not huffing and puffing, climbing a step of stairs, then that works for me. I mean, uh, and it should, uh, I mean, others should have that opportunity. But uh, it's not about smokers, really, you know, and that's not the feeling we get because, you know, in 2018 COP, uh, so us consumers went there, we tried to speak to delegates, they would just not even, like, you know, we are selling them cigarettes or something, and we're just trying to tell them that we are consumers. 
Then Tobacco Tactics page has a photograph there saying that we are trying to lobby. Of course, <laughs> we are going to lobby. You know, we have the right to seek good health. You know, ensure that you know we don't fall ill. We can guard ourselves against uh, possible consequences of tobacco use. We've seen it work for so many people. You know, there are gums, but it, we know how uh, effective they are. Uh, not to say that they shouldn't be available, but people should have a bouquet of options to see what works for someone, you know? Not everything works, like, there's no one solution. Nobody, nowhere, it, I can think of, no regulator, nobody in public health would ever consider these to be consumer products. And the model might not be fitting because they just can't fathom it as a consumer product. Yeah, because they haven't taken the effort to uh, understand what it is and why it is so wonderfully been picked up all across the world. You know, despite, uh, you know, uh, regulations and so much negative media, 100 million users in a span of a decade, that's a public health win. It should be celebrated. You know, 100 million people quit. Uh, but I don't <laughs> see why, if, uh, you know, but if you uh, picked up in the newspaper of the last three months, you wouldn't think uh, tobacco is killing, uh, you know, 1.35 million people. You would think that vaping is the big problem which kill no one, and it's uh, by own government statistics used by only 0.02% people. So there's this complete, uh, you know, the uh, you know, priorities have gone completely wrong here. I think across so many different um, aspects of people's lives, uh, in the West, you know, in India and Asia, there has been such an increase in the desire for control in so many aspects okay. of life. Sure. And that I think that there is something about a autocratic nature is that they don't allow individuals to enjoy simple pleasures. Sure, I totally take your point. And uh, you know, WHO uh, is now coming up. There's no safe level of drinking. Now, uh, you know, that's not the way to communicate any idea to anyone. Because what I need to know is that if I'm a moderate drinker, and if I'm, if it's going to lead to some, is the reward or is the risk uh, one which I'm willing to uh, balance with the reward that I get from social drinking? So that is a way to communicate. You communicate, okay, if this happens, if you do this and then that happens, rather than say there's no safe level of drinking. Uh, there's no safe level, uh, there's no safe tobacco product. You know, these are very uh, uh, paternalistic, control-minded, uh, you know, top-down, kind of things to say and I and I I believe WHO needs to be reimagined you know because it is uh, it's become a system that's been gamed China gets away with whatever it wants to do even though it has a tobacco monopoly you know which sells so many cigarettes the Indian tobacco monopoly and and you know and Thailand <laughs> another country so for these countries to uh, show that we have banned and we are at the forefront of tobacco control when you are participants in selling cigarettes to the people uh, and then you get awards for it, you know, because WHO also is not that concerned, apparently, that, you know, life would be safe. They just want to show that work is being done. And it's become increasingly private funded. So, you know, all it, there have been papers on what, how can WHO become effective again? Because the way they performed uh, at the pandemic, you know, it was just like a very tardy response. And yet, the same guy gets reelected, unopposed. So something is obviously not right. You know, there's some status quoism that has become so ingrained in that body that it's not actually doing anything effective.
We're here at the Global Forum on Nicotine. Uh, what's your expectations of uh, moving the ball along from at this event? See, uh, while there has, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you have to balance it out. You know, while the situation is getting worse in some countries, I think we are looking at a ban. I'll just tell you what's happening in Asia very quickly. Bangladesh may be looking at a ban, but Thailand may be moving in the other direction. Philippines has Taiwan ban. You know, so there are a lot of, uh, it's still, uh, uh, it's also a copier, you know, so we can expect a lot of uh, this stuff, a lot of these decisions, a lot of uh, uh, activism from our end also to happen. And I think uh, the COP is, uh, this is an important COP. A lot of uh, key ideas are on the table. Uh, one of which is that they want to treat vaping as smoking. You know, the vape is smoke, which it is not. <laughs> and they know, and it's a very disingenuous argument, but they want it they want it to be included in, you know, their, the things that they fight. So, uh, and that is quite dangerous because then you're completely uh, negating the idea of harm reduction. What's insidious about that is we're talking about uh, completely, totally maligning language. It's a simple thing. They can't get the changes they want to have happen, so they want to take what's already in place and just go, well, we're just going to define vapor as smoke. Sure, and you know, in all this, what I see is that they're, uh, they're trying to stay relevant. You know, it's, it's their fight for relevance, uh, which they also understand, you know, because uh, there is uh, data showing that as vaping uh, got more accepted uh, in, in European nations, uh, nicotine gums, patches, use of those and visits to, uh, you know, uh, the centers dropped because they, people were quitting on their own. So why would they need to go through a program. And that's, that's an existential threat. And uh, Clive Bates does say it, make that point very clearly that if there is no harm, then what is, you know, tobacco control in the way, in the, uh, you know, autocratic way that it exists today, loses uh, the entire meaning of its existence. So this could be just a fight for relevance. Well, I think I'd like to put it into a larger picture because as you said earlier in the interview, it was uh, a precautionary principle mechanism that they were able to utilize to create this control that they have w over tobacco by saying that it's the harm that's being done to everybody else, here's the proof, it's secondhand smoke. From that, they were able to remove individual liberty in the United States and Canada, sure. throughout the West and everywhere else. Yeah. And so this mechanism is very important to autocrats, to you know totalitarian sure. wannabes, you know, and so, the ability to change language, to redefine something, to be able to achieve a control. And I think that I think that these are very important steps for them to do to like create their control. Sure. I mean, look at the valley. You know, CDC is known for like over two years now that it, not, nicotine had nothing to do with it. And yet they let that uh, thing stay. And this whole, uh, this last uh, World No Tobacco Day, you know, there are more articles on vaping in India, uh, against vaping in India, than they were about tobacco. And every one of them had Iwali in it. They're still being regurgitated when everyone knows it's not to do with nicotine vaping, but you're still attacking something which, you got it wrong then, and it's upon you to correct it. And, uh, and, and you know that scientists wrote to them and they still don't agree. Well, I don't think the CDC got it wrong. I think they got exactly what they wanted. Yeah, so that, if in the United States that 
a kind of uh, you know misinformation is accepted i think uh, there is also a sort of uh, holier than thou like uh, even if we lie to you as long as we can get an outcome which we believe is noble uh, it's okay to lie to you that should not <laughs> be how public health is done well no and, and look at the fda too just for one moment if i may the deeming regulation deems this piece of plastic right here to be a tobacco product yeah. This dip, yeah. this right here, just the plastic, yeah. is tobacco. Well, no, it's not tobacco. Do you do you deem a Bic lighter as tobacco? No, yeah. it's a lighter, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think overall they're just like they're just well over their skis. And they've been allowed to get away with it for too long, because and and, and not without reason, you know, because when there's so many people dying, then you know you want to uh, do what. You know, you think the experts have but told you. Let to me do. just, you know, because we're deep, who knows what I'm going to use here. But how is there so many people dying? Because in the United States of America, the same number of people have been dying of smoking for 30 years. The yeah. numbers never changed, even with all of this stuff that's yeah, gone on. Like billions have been spent. And our side, you know, on the tobacco harm reduction side, we use that same number because that number is advantageous for yeah. us, yeah. right? So it's crazy, but we're all talking about how all these people are dying every year. It's the same number for 30 years. And, uh, and in third world countries, you know, I mean, people, uh, maybe that, uh, I don't know if that is uh, one of the reasons why these numbers, while huge, are not driving the kind of action. You know, you, uh, you know the pandemic uh, response, uh, like one-tenth of the number of people died but you know the response and here every year these people are dying uh, and there doesn't seem to be the sense of urgency or uh, what I do see is resignation among these people that okay we tried everything not working mm -hmm. so why not try something else <laughs> why right. still you know why are you doubling down on that same path Samrat so you know what's been the impact of that 2019 ban in the aftermath so the ban was, uh, as I was telling you, rushed through Parliament when legislators didn't even know what these products are. Uh, right after that, uh, the legal uh, vendors, right, the ones who were playing the big game, wanted to be uh, entrepreneurs who were uh, who really wanted to build a business, a green business, uh, you know, with with this. Uh, they exited the market because they didn't want, you know, to deal with the legality of it. Uh, they moved to other countries, some went to Dubai, you know, other countries that were opening up Malaysia and Philippines. What happened was then the smugglers, you know, the people who smuggle all kinds of stuff, they added e-cigarettes to their portfolio. For them, it's just another product that they're like, you know, smuggling. It, it, it's like counterfeit cigarettes or watches or whatever is getting smuggled, uh, is in, in uh, iPhones or whatever that is. So this just became another product in their portfolio and it exploded. You had like tons being caught, like, you know, huge. Uh, so when you know from a seizure that that big is the seizure, that's just like 0.1% of the market. You know, then it gives you a sense of how big the market is. I went to tier two, tier three towns, like almost like semi-villages, and you get waves there. So what has happened now is that the opportunity to control, uh, to do this right, what could have been uh, a boon is now perhaps going to become a bane because now even if they regulate it these products will never be able to compete with you know these tax products will never be able to compete with cheap illegal untaxed products so you've uh, created a problem you are you should have been the first to go to people and say okay these are e-cigarettes this is you know 
the risk and the benefit and this is who it is for and you could have uh, informed and educated them. By trying to brush everything under the carpet, you just have taken control from these legal vendors and given it to the black market. Who doesn't also care whether they sell to a miner or not? So a miner today in India has more access, easier access to these products than it had earlier, or than they had earlier. So now you have uh, vapes being found in schools. Also, you know, when you see, for, perhaps if you see a kid smoking, you'll not be that shocked, but if you see him vaping, you'll, it's new. So there's also that uh, false perception that this is, you know, everywhere. Where those kids were also smoking, if you ask them, or, or most of them. Now, I would imagine that the, uh, that illegal products that are coming in are mostly disposables. So, yes. So, uh, you know, earlier there was also a sort of, uh, uh, you know, you had to buy the mod and the tank and learn how to do coils. And so there was a learning curve. Also, it was expensive. So there was a natural cap. Uh, with disposables, also, you know, you can get uh, genuine disposables. Uh, uh, though, uh, you know, they have, I mean, without a recycling program, I think disposables are not that good an idea. You know, before launching it, there has to be a recycling mechanism in place. Uh, having said that, they can also uh, they, they also have a huge advantage because people could have otherwise uh, uh, not tried, you know, because now they can at least try if it works for them. So that barrier to, uh, you know, making that switch has come down. So it has its, uh, uh, you know, pros, like especially in uh, uh, third world countries where people cannot, you know, buy expensive devices. So they have uh, a benefit, but then there is also a problem. So it has to be dealt uh, keeping balancing both these uh, imperatives that okay we don't want uh, cheap fake stuff to be available but we also want uh, a smoker to have uh, easier access to something which is less harmful there needs to be a push from a uk us even you know despite all that is going on internally it's still it's not banned you know you still have access to these devices you still have a lot of data showing that you know uh, teen smoking has vanished and teen uh, and, and smoking also is in decline among adults so those are all good things happening and these countries do have a responsibility in my view to uh, take up the issue at the WHO level because they're also big funders. The rich countries should also stand up to WHO and say listen this is not right look at our countries we have seen results there has been accelerated decline in smoking rates and it can be made to work.